This podcast is not here for those people that are trying to stay out of last place. Because those consequences don't exist for the people that are listening to this podcast. These are the people that always end up in the playoffs but can't seem to get over that hump. Or the ones who just want to dominate year after year just to show everybody else they're the champions. Guys, this is a fantasy football intervention. And we're about to intervene with your fantasy football life. Oh man, oh man, what a weekend it was for not only DFS, but fantasy intervention as a whole. Man, did I enjoy that. What a weekend it was. Now, we, we sat over here at Fantasy Intervention, you know, Mike and I, we had some fun on Wednesday night, but we really absolutely just crushed. We crushed our picks all up and down the board uh, for our DFS episode on Sunday night, or I'm sorry, on Friday night. You know, I had Bo on and Scott on. We crushed all those picks. You know, we built a dynamic lineup that scored second place in Bo's tournament. So that was exciting, too. God, man, we just crushed it all. We crushed it all. It was too much fun. It was way, way too much fun. And yeah, I enjoyed every second of it, guys. I enjoyed every second. So tonight, or today, I should say, I'm here to discuss with you guys the, the DFS slate for tonight. And if you guys listen to my individual game slate, you guys know how much you know effort and how much detail actually goes into actually putting together this uh, this podcast, you know, in this episode. So unfortunately, with the game being rescheduled with Kansas City and New England, I'm not going to be covering that. It is just going to be primarily uh, the the Packers and the Falcons game. And yeah, it's going to be a good one. I'm actually really, really super excited for this game. Uh, There are a lot of injuries that are going on on both sides, but it kind of opened up the the door for certain players to actually produce at a very high end level. So let me go ahead and look at my show sheet real quick. And yeah, the injuries are absolutely brutal. Uh, The Falcons in the secondary, the the Packers receivers, you know, at least I will say the Falcons are getting a couple offensive linemen back. So that's good. You know, get that depth on that offensive line, try and stop the the Smith brothers over there for Green Bay. But when it comes to DFS, right, and it comes to the players that I am looking at actually playing, oh, man, it's going to be very, very interesting. With the Falcons, we're looking at uh, Keanu Neal, uh, Ricardo Allen, A.J. Terrell, uh, Darquise Denard. They're all out in their secondary. That's four out of five of the starters in the secondary completely out. Now they are getting Sheffield back, but or Sheffield back, but he he wasn't good last year. Uh, last year he was absolutely brutal. He allowed 110 passer rating and two touchdowns while in coverage last year. I don't like that at all. So I don't think that that's really a great addition. Although it kind of does help out with the depth at least. Uh, meanwhile, with the Packers, we have uh, St. Brown, Equinemius St. Brown. He's still on IR from the beginning of the year. Uh, Adams is out. Lazard is out. So yeah, Lazard with that, that bizarre injury was just really, really interesting. So, oh man, this could create a huge, huge opportunity with Marquez Valdez scouting. So with these receivers and the wide receiver injuries all over the place, uh, the system that LaFleur wants to run, we should see a ton. We should see a ton of 21 and 12 personnel this week or tonight, I should say, which means very few three wide receiver sets. 
So, I mean, even with, with Lazard, MVS, and Adams out, they only ran 11 personnel on 36% of their plays so far this season. That's second least behind the 49ers uh, with 35%. So I'm loving, loving the other pass-catching pass options outside of the wide receiver position over here for Green Bay. Um, Robert Tanyan is huge for me. Uh, he's a quarterback turned wide receiver, turned tight end. So he's had three position changes since his, since his freshman year of college. Uh, man, he's starting to get it. You can really see it starting to click. And I think Aaron Rodgers really, really likes this guy. Um, after playing quarterback to start his career, right? He dominated as wide receiver. His final year, he had 699 yards with 10 touchdowns and only 11 games for a small school, which is Indiana State University. After he realized that he wouldn't test well at the combine, probably wouldn't be drafted as wide receiver. Uh, he transitioned again, which caused him to go undrafted. But he's 6'5", 236 pounds, and runs a 4'6", 340 at the combine, which is absolutely impressive for a guy that size. He's gotten a, he's kind of taken some time to develop. Obviously the tight end position is typically one of the hardest positions to develop as a young guy coming out of college. But the fact that he had tr transitioned over from quarterback to wide receiver and then to tight end, you know, we're finally seeing kind of coming into his own. He's gotten a touchdown in each of the past two weeks. And with Deion Jones over there as you know, the linebacker in coverage, I think he's going to have his hands full with, with Aaron Jones. So I'm actually looking forward to Robert Tanyan's matchup up against these safeties. I think it's going to be sexy. I think Robert Tanyan is going to have his way with these safeties. Uh, Jalen Hawkins actually has to come in, obviously, with the injuries over there. And he's a fourth-round rookie. So, you know, he's not the most polished individual. Uh, Kazi over there, he's good, but he's only 5'10". And we just talked about how Robert Tanyan's 6'5", 236. So I don't think that the Kazi's going to be the guy to actually cover him over there. And he's going to have his hands full trying to, you know, keep MVS from breaking the game open. So I love the upside here. I absolutely love, love, love the upside of Robert Tanyan. I think he's almost a must play in most cases, which, by the way, means that I'll have a lot of shares of Aaron Rodgers as well. Now, I want you guys to keep in mind that his upside might be a little bit uh, limited, you know, with his options. This could turn into a run-heavy game for the Packers as well. So I'm not like I'm not locked into starting Aaron Rodgers in every single lineup, but Aaron Rodgers is looking great. You know, he's looking phenomenal. I don't think I have to tell anybody that in 2020, but yeah, he'll he'll be in most of my lineups, just not every single one. MVS is the guy that I'm stacking him with along with Robert Tanyan. I, I trust MVS more than I trust Shepard or Wilson. Uh, I'm not a big fan of either one of those guys. And MVS with that speed and the Falcons just depleted secondary could absolutely have an amazing game tonight. I'm looking forward to, to watching him go off for, for over 100 yards and potentially two touchdowns. I really like MVS. Now, when it comes to Shepard and Wilson, am I taking a couple shots on them? Probably not. I, I might have like, you know, maybe one shot of each guy. Shepard's more of like the, the small slot top receiver, kind of like a, a gadget type player. And Wilson's more of like the outside possession guy. But I'm not loving either one. Like we talked about, there's going to be a lot of 12 personnel and a lot of 21 personnel. You know, not, not, uh, not 11 personnel, which allows for three wide receivers to be on the field. So, yeah, I, I just don't think that either one of these guys are going get to get a lot of opportunities. If I had to choose one, I might choose Wilson, but I'm going to stay away from these guys in most cases. I'd rather take shots on guys like uh, Diguara, if he does play. He might be injured. He might be out. And Sternberger. if Deguara doesn't play. Sternberger becomes a huge ingredient into my DFS lineups. 
Like he's going to be in there in quite a few of them. And I kind of like doing a double stack of Tanyan and Guara in one that I'm not going to be playing MVS in. I think that that could be a very sneaky lineup that could win you big time money if you pick the other, you know, the other guys correctly. Jamal, uh, Jamal Williams as well is another big pick for me in DFS. Uh, teams have targeted the running back 25 total times in the first three weeks up against the Falcons. That's crazy to me. Now, the Falcons have actually been pretty good overall. They've only allowed 5.7 yards per reception, but receptions still matter, right? And Williams has these games where he finishes off with like five, six, seven receptions for like 70 or 80 yards and then gets like 40 yards and a touchdown on the ground. And it's the, it's the game that we want to pull our hair out because you know that we started Aaron Jones in that game. But, you know, still, this could be that game. He's a very, very sneaky play. I like Jamal Adams to kind of sneak into these lineups, especially with the lack of weapons at wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers. Now, of course, I'm starting Aaron Jones and a lot of lineups. Uh, I don't care about the chalk. I think that he's probably going to be the most started player uh, in terms of who's going into the captain spot. But I'm still going to take some shots on him. I don't know if I'll play him in as many captain spots as I would if he wasn't as chalky, but I'm still going to get him into my lineups and just hope that he does well, you know, and, and doesn't completely just bomb it, you know, and, and actually get some return on investment, just not too much return on investment, because then that's, that's going to be the lineups where the, the captains end up crushing it. So of course I'm going to be starting him in this matchup. There's no one else on this offense. He is the supreme talent on this offense. Nobody's even close. I think that he could see, you know, 30 touches or so this game. But I'm more interested in the X factor, right? There's an X factor out there that not a lot of people are talking about. And uh, God, man, he could end up, you know, having potentially a touchdown and on an 80 yard run, you know, something along those lines. That's going to be Tyler Irvin. Uh, I love it, man. I know that he's a gadget guy, but he's getting looks, you know, here and there. And with his 441 speed and a piece together secondary, when we talk about the Falcons, it's possible that he breaks off a big, big run and or even, you know, a shovel pass up on those lines while being used as that gadget guy. And I think that if it turns into a shootout, like I believe this this matchup could turn into, I think that you could actually see like a massive game where he, where he gets, you know, five or six different opportunities and he could take one to the house. I really like Tyler Irvin. If you are looking for that kind of sneaky play that that, you know, like front heavy loaded lineup where you're playing all the high expensive guys. And then you need a cheap guy to make it happen. I think that Tyler Irving could be that guy, but in order for it to turn a shootout, if it does turn into a shootout, that means that Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan is going to have an amazing, amazing game, right? Matt Ryan, he's actually been kind of questionable so far this year. I know that sounds weird because he's put up two massive games up against Seattle and up against Dallas, I believe. But I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at his numbers and he's 20th in deep ball completion percentage while having Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. That doesn't make much sense to me. Uh, he's only 14th in red zone completion percentage, a play action completion percentage. He's 19th in true completion percentage, which is the shocking thing for me that that kind of eliminates drop balls and throwaways. He's 30th. Matt Ryan is 30th in true completion percentage. So it's a little bit of a head scratcher, to be honest with you. Um, and, and the most astounding thing outside of the true completion percentage is he only has a 69.5% catchable pass rate, which is 28th. Now, the volume's been there, and I think the volume is going to be there in the future. 
But that is something that we should monitor moving forward when it comes to, you know, playing Matt Ryan. Is the volume going to be there? Because if it's not, I don't know if he's going to be that great. I mean, he's already thrown eight interceptable passes so far this year, which tied for fifth. Tied for fifth. Meanwhile, he's, he has 10 danger plays, which is sixth, right? So Matt Ryan, for me, if the volume's there, which I believe it's going to be this week, then I'm playing him. But if it's not, I'm a little bit skeptical of his uh, you know, potential performance. So if I do end up playing him this week, of course, you have to play a couple of these wide receivers. But the wide receivers are super, super banged up right now. Uh, I mean, they still think that, I believe... Uh, Calvin Ridley and Julio are expected to play, but they're both banged up and they were talking about playing them in a very limited fashion. So yeah, it's going to be tough to sit here and and expect big time numbers from these guys. If they're only getting 60% of the snaps, 70% of the snaps compared to their normal, you know, 95% snap share. But the good news, like I was talking about is the Packers haven't been very good up against the pass. I mean, hell they allowed almost 300 yards to Drew Brees without Michael Thomas. And he also threw three touchdowns against him. Now, I know a lot of that had to do with Alvin Kamara, but still, I mean, that's not, that's not good. It's not good at all. I mean, it's just not a good situation for the Packers secondary. But, uh, well, let's bring up another fact when, it's, when we talk about a bad situation. Jair Alexander actually could miss out. Uh, he had a random knee injury that popped up on, like, Saturday, I believe. He didn't practice. So, yeah, I mean, him and... and Chan and Sullivan have been the only two bright spots in this secondary. The secondary has been absolutely atrocious. If Alexander misses time, I'm thinking that they get Josh Jackson in there and leave Chan and Sullivan in the slot because Chan and Sullivan has been excellent in the slot. And that's where, you know, the Falcons use a lot of their, you know, or, or I guess get a lot of their, their production out of is, is the slot. Russell Gage pretty much only lines up in the slot. And then Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley love to motion the slot. So I think that they, they should at least, I don't know if they do, but I think they should leave Shannon Sullivan in the slot to defend against that position. And if that's the case, this makes it even tougher trying to figure out which of these three wide receivers you want to play. You know, like if Shannon Sullivan is actually as good as he's coming off to be, which uh, I've talked to a few different people who are big time, you know, Green Bay fans, and, and they're saying that he looks really, really good, and and he could be one of the best slot cornerbacks in the league so far this year. So, if if Russell Gage only lines up the slot, and has to face up against Shannon Sullivan, does he have the athletic profile that allows him to beat Shannon Sullivan? And I don't know if that's the case. So I think that I'm actually going to have an equal share, especially with the ownership being on Russell Gage pretty heavily, or at least estimated to be pretty heavily. I'm thinking that, that you got to take shots, pretty much equal shots on each one of these guys. I'm not going to have multiple receivers, multiple Falcons receivers in the same lineup, though. I, I know I'm, I'm expecting a shootout, but with limited snap opportunities and Russell Gage face Shannon Sullivan, I, I'm not going to have them all. I think that, that the best, I guess, kind of... Uh, strategy going forward with this is is taking shots with each one of these guys separately. I will have sprinkled in some lineups where I do have two of these receivers, but it's not going to be a lot of lineups. Like it might be, you know, maybe three lineups tops with different, uh, you know, different combinations of each. But my favorite player or my favorite wide receiver, I should say, even though he's banged up in this situation, is actually going to be Calvin Ridley. Uh, they move him all over the lineup. He plays on the outside, plays on the inside. He's all over the place. But he's that deep target guy in this offense. Uh, he le- he's leading the NFL right now in air yards and deep, y- uh, deep targets. He has 10 deep targets already. So I'm thinking that he could absolutely be the guy that goes off. And the Packers, man, the Packers are tied for fifth 
an explosive explosive passing play percentage allowed with 10% of their the opposing team's passes going for over 15 yards. So I'm thinking that Calvin Ridley could have a hell of a game this week, even while he's banged up. Now we gotta be close, we gotta be careful. We gotta pay attention to the injury reports. But the Packers allowed Thielen on the outside to produce, Marvin Hall on the outside to produce, Marvin Jones on the outside to produce, and Emmanuel Sanders on the outside to produce. So I'm rolling with Ridley in quite a few lineups uh, if he's playing. And I'm, I'm not saying that you should fade uh, Russell Gage like hard and not play him at all. Same thing with Julio Jones. But out of these three wide receivers, I think I'm going to lean on Calvin Ridley and hope for a couple big-time, big-time plays. That's the route that I'm going with this. Now, when it comes to the tight end position, uh, the Packers have actually been pretty solid up against tight end so far. Uh, they haven't allowed any touchdowns. I mean, Hawkinson had like, what, like 62 yards, I believe. Uh, so it makes me a little bit nervous playing Hurst. But he has had two touchdowns over the past two weeks. And I think that he's going to see a huge uptick in targets this upcoming week as well. I think that he can find the end zone. I really do. I, I like Hurst as a filler type guy. Where, you know, you're, you're pretty much have your base set, you know, your stack set up, and now you need to figure out who to add to it. And whether you're playing Aaron Rodgers, you know, whether you're playing uh, uh, Matt Ryan, whether you're playing both, I think that he could be a filler at the tail end of your lineup. Now, he is a little bit pricey, so he's not like, you know, just a, a free square type guy, but I'm going to be playing to him. I'm going to be playing with him. I'm going to be playing him. <laughs> All right, now on to Gurley. Um, Gurley's workload's insane. And I think that we expected this, you know, when, when they went out and they grabbed Gurley. We also expected this offensive line to be so hard, and that's pretty much what they've given. However, this volume, 14 red zone attempts in, this, in the first three weeks. 14 red zone in three weeks. Crazy to me. Uh, the, the crazier part is he only has two touchdowns so far on those 14 red zone attempts. So that makes me a little bit nervous with that offensive line, but they are getting some of their offensive linemen back. They're get, a few of their guys are going to be healthy. I believe their firmer, former first-round pick, uh, their tackle is going to be coming back. So you know we'll see if he actually gets in some work, but I, the volume's there. The volume's there. We're hoping for a couple goal line carries, and, and he's getting them. You know Teams are destroying the Packers' defense with the running back through both the air and the ground, to be honest with you. But yeah, I like Gurley. Now, when it comes to the receiving portion, he hasn't been getting a lot of receiving work. But we saw Swift take, like I think it was 40 receptions for like 60 yards. Uh, we saw Alvin Kamara completely destroy, destroy this team in the air. And then Alexander Madison had a pretty good week in the air. He had like 40 receiving yards or so. Uh, meanwhile, Peterson had a good game on the ground. So did Cook. So did Kamara. Once again, Kamara just crushed them all together. Uh, just destroyed souls out there. But I'd like this to be a solid play with Gurley for cash games. And I'm thinking I'm going to sprinkle him in a, in a few tournaments. Uh, I did a study and I, I can't find it anywhere. Uh, I literally, all my notebooks are just a big clusterfuck and I don't have anything organized, but I did a study and it's somewhere in my notebooks over here. <sighs> when a wide receiver goes out, the primary benefactor outside of the direct replacement of that player when they go out and they don't play as often, the biggest, biggest benefactor is the running back. So I, I might do this again. I might, I might actually compile this, this data again uh, once we get like to week seven or eight or so and we have more data. But Todd Gurley, he's only seen like you know one or two receptions a game. I think that he could see five or six receptions this upcoming week. He could benefit the most from Calvin Ridley sitting, from Julio Jones sitting, and from, of course, uh, Russell Gage seeing that, that slot coverage from Sullivan. So, I don't know, man. 
I don't know. I, I just, I think that he could have an opportunity and he could go off. Now I'm not playing Gurley in a ton of matchups, but if I could do like a Calvin Ridley, Todd Gurley and Matt Ryan stack, I don't, I don't hate that stack. I actually kind of like it, you know, cause you're going pure upside here. You know, if, if they score four times and, and, and Gurley gets two touchdowns and Ridley gets two touchdowns, you're going to be winning a lot of money. We're winning a lot of money. Now, let's see. After a week like we saw last week from, from Brian Hill, I think he's another solid pivot option. And I don't know if he's going to have a ton of ownership. Now, he did have a big week like we just said last week. But I don't know, man. He's kind of starting to get used as a Brian or as a, as a third down you know, type role. Uh, he's looking at way more explosive than, than Todd Gurley's looking. He's looking a lot quicker, shiftier. And he was getting a ton, ton, ton of hype in training camp and, and towards the tail end of last year as well. I think that he has a, a solid chance, solid chance to put up very, very good numbers and a potential chance to put up great numbers. This defense with, with Green Bay ranked 30 or ranks 30th uh, up against the running back. So, yeah, I'm doing it. And in other words, you're taking the over if, if you believe that, that stuff like this can happen. For flyer purposes, I'm not big on any of these backup receivers. Uh, Zacchaeus, I think that's how you say it, and, and Powell are more like slot, ga- slot gadget guys. Uh, you're talking about you know guys that are five eight, don't have a lot of speed, you know, have a little bit of agility, but they're not going to break off an eighty yard you know reception type thing. At least I don't believe that they will without having blown coverage. Is it possible to happen with with Green Bay always? But I don't think that that's going to be the situation. And then Christian Blake, he was thought to be the 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 third starting wide receiver last week for Atlanta. That was who all the beat reporters was, you know, saying, Oh, this is going to be the guy that's getting the snaps with Julio out, but he only got six snaps last week. So, and he still hasn't seen a target by the way. I, I'm not going to waste my fab or my fab. I'm not going to waste my, my budget over here, my bankroll on playing multiple lineups with, with Christian Blake's Kais and Powell. Those guys just don't do it for me. There are already too many variables this week to account for with the injuries and how the defenses are going to line up and the combinations of these, these wide receivers for Atlanta that you're going to have to play. I, I don't want to go out there and just blow my bankroll trying to come up with combinations and, and going for these guys. Um, you know, same thing with Stoker and Ito Smith. You know, I'd rather take shots on like guys like Tyler Irvin and I get to see the pricing for Brian Hill, but if Brian Hill is priced down, I'd rather take shots on him too than take shots on the guys this week in that, that, you know, 200 to thousand dollar range. So yeah. Anyways, you guys enjoying the jet noise guys, this is actually going to wrap it up for us. This was just a quick DFS episode for tonight where I spent, you know, six hours trying to, uh, yeah, put together a 20 long, 20 minute long podcast, but I appreciate you guys for, for tuning in. Yeah. If you guys want to go check out my content, go check it out at linktr.ee slash fantasy intervention. Once again, that's linktr.ee slash fantasy intervention. We will be having some more content coming out. I got my recap show tomorrow. So make sure you guys check that out. And then Wednesday, 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 we have our Thursday DFS matchup going live. And then, of course, Mike is coming on live with me. Wahoo. Oh, and we have BZ as one of our special guests. Get excited for that, guys. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for listening. And thank you for letting me intervene with your fantasy football life. I'm out. Hey, my mom told my niggas is dope. Switch up a stove. Pick up a stove. They're feeling away. They know I'm the goat. That's how you bang a podcast.